got into the fan, uh, writing, oh, writing, uh, hobby, I would write small stories on Xerox paper, just researching that, because that was about a year ago that I was researching. Hollywood and Netflix, they like to have screenplays in their hands. Is writing, do you do any other creative pursuits, like, uh, do you do any paint, drawing, painting, uh, music, stuff like that? Right, so, music, I tried doing music once, I tried playing a few. Welcome back to another great episode. This is episode 13, guys, of season one. I mean, it's a, it's been a great accomplishment. And let me tell you something, guys. Let me tell you. And it's a big surprise. I'm not going to tell you who yet. But we have had, we've had, we have had, I think I said that. Whatever. We've had an amazing guest. I'm telling you, like, like big. Like, this is a big one, guys. Confirm his willingness to be interviewed on the podcast. And I'm very excited. And you guys, I think that episode is going to be a great one when the time comes. Um, let me tell you, we're getting close to that season finale. You know, And it seems like it was just not that long ago, right? Just like it was, what, yesterday that we had our mid-season finale with uh, Mikael. Um, but um, I'm telling you, we're getting there. We're getting close to that season finale. But aside from that, guys, today is one of our, I wouldn't call it a tactical strategies episode um, because I'm not tackling an issue in our society uh, in this episode. What was the last issue we tackled? We tackled, oh, yes, the complex world of decisions. That's right. Um, this episode is it's an interesting one because as I told you in the last episode with Logan Sullivan, that I had been interviewed by another podcaster, Eric. He's a good guy. Um, on his show, Erratic Dispatches, you can find that on Anchor, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, and he interviewed me on my novel, Age of the Kings, and what inspired me to write it and, you know, the like. And the episode is out. It came out last, I think this last, no, not Sunday because I think I was working when it came out. Yeah, I think it was like, it was last Friday. So the episode came, whoa. So not last Friday, because last Friday would have been yesterday. Last, last Friday. It came out, so about a week ago, more than a week ago. It released, and you can hear it now. Um, but he interviewed me on Age of the Kings, my, my novel, my debut novel. And that got me thinking about everybody who's asked me so far, right? What got you inspired to write a book at such a young age? Why Why are you doing it? Most, most people my age hate writing, right? And so that got me thinking, what if I record an episode for the Athenium on Age of the Kings? That would make a good, right? A good addition to our collection of stories on at the shelves of the Athenium. And so that's what I'm doing tonight, guys. I am going to break down my debut novel, Age of the Kings, 
down to the very characters, every chapter, and what inspired me to write that story, how I built the story, how I created it, the structure of everything, just just everything. I'm going to break it down chapter by chapter um, or uh, sections of chapters as well, but eventually I'm going to go through the entire book pretty much today, breaking down every chapter on what inspired me, how the story came to be, what parts are actually symbolically based on my real life because Age of the Kings is a fantasy fiction novel and and any characters um, with uh, names um, this uh, similar to those you might find in real life are complete coincidence, um, just letting you know. But uh, Age of the Kings is symbolically based on my, on my life um, lightly. Um, but then again, a bunch of it is tweaked. Uh, there's a lot of fantasy and fiction of it, but it's symbolically based. I mean, and that's what I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna discuss today, during the um, during the episode. I'm gonna, yeah, just break it down from characters to the story, from beginning to end, guys. And I am super excited for this, guys. I am. I'm. I'm pumped. I am pumped. Um, yep. Yippee dip dip. So. With that said, guys, this is episode 13 of the Athenium. Uh, if you like the episode at the end, feel free to leave a review, leave a rating on podcasts, follow us on Spotify, follow me on Instagram. And uh, thank you, as always, right, for tuning in and listening to to our topics. And as, as I said, we have not just one, but we have several amazing interviews coming up, guys. We are, like I said before, in the and, and, I, and I wasn't kidding you, like I said, in the episodes before, a couple episodes um, prior, I think it was when I interviewed Mike and that I told you we had some amazing people interviewing, um, that we're going to be interviewing coming up in these last few episodes. And I, t- and I told you we're going to finish off strong. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not kidding you. I'm telling you, we got some some great ones coming up, and some are gonna be sensitive guys. So I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna ask you to be um, I'm gonna be ask you to be respectful when those come up. But we'll cross that bridge when it, when we come to it. But for today, guys, let's get this party rolling and let's get started because this is gonna be a good one. So as always, guys, welcome to the Athenium with Angel B Jimenez. So, just a bit background information before we start. Age of the Kings is my debut novel. I started writing it when I was nine, um, around the time I was in fourth grade, fifth grade. Honestly, it's a bit hazy. I don't even remember at this point. But um, I took a big hiatus. Uh, between sixth grade and eighth grade, I stopped writing the book at around chapter nine. And we're going to go over that. You're going to see how my writing kind of changes a bit Um from rushiness to more organized, more structured, more kind of um, stretched out. Uh, but I did take a big hiatus between 6th grade and 8th grade. And I stopped writing Age of the Kings. I kind of gave up on it. I um, I was actually planning on just tossing it. Tossing it, tossing it into, into the garbage and just forgetting about it. The whole Age of the Kings saga. Not just the first book. And I wasn't going to restart it. No, I was I was thinking about forgetting the whole book series. And now I'm, I'm writing the final book right now. Um, yeah. I'm not going to... Uh, I've already said so how many books I'm going to write. It's going to be five books, guys. And I'm writing the fifth one already. I finished all the first four. The first one's already been published. Um, and uh, But yeah, I took a hiatus and I was ready to give up on it. I was just like, no, 
this ain't gonna cut it. No, don't want to do this. I got a bunch of other ideas, and I'm man, I'm grateful that I did not toss it in the bin because Age of the Kings has become an enormous part of my life, and it's whew, I want to call it a masterpiece, but man, I might just be boasting. But honestly, all right, so. Let's get started, guys. That, that's the background information, really. Um, the important stuff that we're going to talk about while I'm breaking down this book, right? Started writing it when I was nine. Took a hiatus between sixth and eighth grade. I finished it um, at the end of my eighth grade year when I moved to Colorado because I had moved from California to Colorado. You guys know this. Um, and I finished it like within the month. Like the last half of the book that I had left to write, I finished it. And then I finished the second book like right after that within a month. Um, second book I enjoyed writing the most out of all of them. It's not the it's not my favorite book. It's not the most intense book out of all of them. But it is the book that I enjoyed writing the most. I don't know why. And it's the one I finished the fastest. I finished it within a month and it's longer than the first book, which took me years to finish. Right? Um, but I don't know. That second book I enjoyed writing the most. Like I just I never wanted to end. Um But yeah. Aside from that guys, let's get started, alright? So, Age of the Kings book one, it is 260-something pages, I believe. Let's see right here. Oh, it's much shorter right here. 259 pages, guys. I think the Kindle version is 264. But anyways, characters, guys. So characters, a lot of the characters have names that are consistent with uh, real people in my life, but they are not based off of them. Right. They maybe have similar similarities because, as I said, it's loosely based off of my life. But like, like I said, that's all mere coincidence. Um, but the characters um, I did, I did. I was inspired by real people in my life uh, for them. And if you've read the first book and um, you'll know that there's a lot of characters in Age of the Kings. Right. And uh, and I'm going to tell you why there's a lot of characters in Age of the Kings, as we get into them, um, main characters are are uh, obviously Angel, his family. Um, I changed Angel's last name. You know, I could not have. I, I I don't think I could write about an Angel Jimenez in my book. That's just a bit awkward. So I changed his last name to Elson. Um, I did, and. Uh, Elson, I think, if I remember correctly, is the last name of a kid I knew in elementary school, I believe. And I, I didn't really talk to him that much in um, in uh, uh, in middle school. But Elson is the name is the last name of a kid I knew um, before, and uh, I thought that was a it was a it was okay it sounded okay Angel Elson, right? Um, uh, it's just it's, it does sound okay to me now after hearing it so many times but um yeah that last name is based off of the last name of, of a kid of a kid i knew i uh, used to know in um in elementary he was a good kid um then of course there's angel's love interest kelly helton and there's a lot of build up with that and uh, uh she is based off of a girl i liked used to like and she's a good friend of mine um but uh like i said don't think this was real life no this is completely fictional um, Angel's father plays a big uh, role in the book series, just as he plays in my life as well. That is something that is very, uh, that is something that's very strictly based off of my real life. It's not like, um, like Angel's relationship with Kelly Helton. That's, uh, that's very much more tweaked and fictional. Well, not that much really, because he never gets the girl. 
Oh, spoiler alerts. Um, but um, but Angel's relationship with his father, Jim Elson, and I changed this. I changed. <laughs> I changed his name too, cause my father's name, in case you don't know, is Angel as well. Um, so I could not have two angels in the book, right? So I had to change Angel's father's name to Jim. Jim Elson, and um, I think I was. When I was thinking about that, I was thinking about Gotham, the Fox uh, Batman TV TV series, if you know about it. And the name Jim Gordon just popped into mind. And I was like, Jim Elson, fine, we're going to go with that. So, uh, so his, but his relationship with Angel is very powerfully based off of my relationship with my father. You know, Angel looks uh, looks up at him like his, like his hero, his idol, uh, the one who's taught him really right from wrong. His mother is like his moral support, and she... She plays a huge role throughout the series. Um, she's got little. She's got little parts. Um, first book, uh, second book, she barely comes out. Third book, the same. She only comes out for like a scene or two. Fourth book, she is a main character, um, and she's really Angel's moral support. Like the pillars that are, uh, I guess you could say, holding up his foundation of who he is. Right? She's just his moral support. But his father is really the one who's taught him. Right from wrong, you know, the the ways of the world, the, how to survive in it, you could say. Um, and, uh, I mean, my, okay, I'm going to tell you guys, stop listening to this if you have not read the book. Because this is spoiler alerts. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to talk about the spoilers in order to break down the book. So, stop listening. I'm going to give you quick, a few seconds to log on out of this podcast and go read the book before you listen to this. Because I'm going to, I'm going to start talking about spoilers. Alright, I gave you a chance to log out. Here we go. So, Angel's father was Angel's first, you could say, uh, dramatic death. His first defeat, you could say. And even though Angel's, Angel faces a lot of defeat in the first book, right? Um, and, and that's debatable too. Jim being his first dramatic death. Because Angel faced another dramatic death before his father died at the end of book one. Um, he faced Renee's death. And we're going to get to that. Um, but I think... I think Jim's death was the one that first really impacted Angel, right? As our protagonist in the Age of the Kings saga, um, it was the first one that really started to change his perspective about the world. Uh, when he really, really started considering uh, Reynolds, um, Sylvester Reynolds, aka Star Dragon, the main villain. <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about how I came up with that name too, in a, in a second. Um, but that's when he first started to consider that that guy. Reynolds as his as his antagonist in life, just in life, right? Not just in the book, like some Batman Joker um, stuff. No, 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 like literally, like he was holding a grudge. Like he wanted to get revenge on that guy for for killing not just Renee, but his father too, right? He was responsible for both of their deaths. And um, if I had to choose a character that was my favorite throughout the book series, it would have to be Angel, right? He's very closely based off of me. And the way he, the way I think that he, um, his personality, I guess you could say, the way he acts, the way he says things, it's very uh, uh, loosely based on me, and I can relate to him the most. A lot of the feelings he feels throughout the book series are based off of close feelings that I felt as well. Um, some, some are completely fictional, but um, others are very, especially in book one. Um, after book one thing, I do start to tweak things a bit more. But you could say book one is really based off of that time when I was 
between seventh and eighth grade, and when I started to move back to Colorado, when I started to move to Colorado, not back because I never been to Colorado, but uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, so yeah, if I had to choose a favorite character, it'd have to be Angel. I can relate to him the most. Um, there's another character that comes out later on in book two, and I love him. I'm not gonna tell you who it is, and I'm not gonna tell you what happens, but he is my other favorite character. Um, I loved using uh, using writing about. Uh, <clears throat> Kelly and a bunch of other characters. Tagalon, you guys have read the first book, you'll know Tagalon. A lot of people have said Tagalon have been their favorites. Um, uh, Jim, I think Jim had some character development, uh, not hugely though. It's more his, uh, like I said, relationship with Angel was the big part about that. Uh, I never liked Reynolds, Reynolds, even to present day when I'm writing the fifth book. Never have liked Reynolds. I can't tell you what happens, um, but I never have liked him. I think. I think he's that symbolic nature of the challenge of my life, you could say. But, um, but yeah, I never liked him. Um, I like Angie, Angel's mom. Um, just because she's sweet, right? And she's always just kind of been there for Angel. Same as his sister, Natalia. And Natalia has... Um, and she, Natalia, that is the name of my actual sister. And she's the illustrator, actually, for all of the Age of the Kings books. And um, I'm grateful for that. But uh, she's a good character too. But she has a very big arch between uh, book three and book five. Like her character changes drastically. And um, but she's a cool character too. There are a lot of cool characters throughout Age of the Kings, and I I've enjoyed writing and developing their characters throughout um, just so much. But um, so that's that's a bit of the foundation around the characters of Age of the Kings. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, So let's get started, guys, with the first chapter of Age of the Kings. Night of Fright. So pretty much the first chapter is just Angel's in the hospital with his father who was in a bad car accident. Now, we never, I never expand on what the car accident was. Maybe I do. I don't remember, actually, guys. But but not drastically. I don't drastically expand on what, what it was. As far as we're concerned, it really was more just of a kind of just like... You know, hit and run kind of thing. Um, he was uh, run off the road by a couple of the cars. Um, and uh, so they end up in the hospital. And, you know, the adventure kind of begins. Angel uh, f- runs, runs into this mysterious, huge metal sphere. Now imagine, yeah, a metal sphere, like a big... Imagine a bouncy ball, whatever you guys call them. Bouncy ball, just completely platinum silver. And three times as Three times your size, right? Just huge. With a red button in the center. A red button the size of your hand. Um, with a black painting of a f- of the fossilized head of a T-Rex on it, right? Angel presses the button and boom, he disappears. You know, classic, cliche. Transport to, to a different world. Um, I really never expand on what that metal sphere is until book two, right? Throughout the whole book, we really don't don't go back to that it's really the introduction and at first i was kind of frustrated about that because i was like my readers are going to be lost right how am i going to you know it's just they're going to be lost you no know? and i'm going to finish the book and then be like what happened with the mouse fear right but at the end of the day i think i like that because i don't give them all the answers in the first book it's the, the book series is going to have five books and why am i going to give them all the answers in book one and what am I going to do with all the other four books, right? 
So I actually drag out the truth about the metal sphere and what it really is, what its function is throughout the whole five books. Um, yeah, even in the first book, even in the fifth book, we're still learning about the true intentions of the, of the metal sphere. It's crazy. But, uh, but I, I like that because it keeps you entertained. It keeps you wanting to learn more uh, until you know the full truth about what the metal sphere is because it's more than just uh, a big metal sphere with a button that transports you, you know, 65 billion or million years back in time to when the dinosaurs existed, right? Um, now, the dinosaurs, because that's a big part of Age of the Kings, obviously, um, you know, they were kind of random. I, I don't know, I don't remember quite why I chose dinosaurs and not just, I do later on invent my own creatures, I do, um, but dinosaurs themselves, I don't know, I don't know why I, you know something, I think if I remember correctly, I used to write short stories, uh, very short horror stories, and my first one that I wrote was called The Lost Island. And it was about a group of friends that got swept up in a tornado. A. Similar to the colorful flashes from the... Because it says right here at the end of chapter 1. Angels approaching the metal sphere, okay? And it says... One light shined upon the sphere just enough for Angel to make out a large red button on the center of the sphere. It was roughly the size of his hand. On the button, a fossilized head of a Tyrannosaurus Rex was painted on it. Angel reached over to press the button. It clicked as he pressed it, and then a funnel of bright, colorful flashes surrounded Angel, and in a moment, the boy was gone. So that's the end of chapter 1, and realize how it says, bright, colorful flashes. So yes, now I have no doubt. So, Age of the Kings, wow, was roughly based off of my first short little horror story that I wrote, The Lost Island, where a group of friends are vacationing in Hawaii, and they... I think their car or something gets swept up. It was, it was you know, kiddish and fan complete fantasy. Swept up in a tornado, and that tornado takes them to an island. Similar to kind of, um, what am I thinking of? Uh, journey. It's Journey, right? Journey to to the uh, to the Lost Island or something like that. To the Lost Island, right? So, Lost Island, and there they run into creatures, giant, giant animals, stuff like that. Very similar to Journey, actually. Journey 2, the movie, if you guys have watched that. And um, and I think when I started thinking about Age of the Kings, I kind of maybe remembered that story, the Lost Island that I wrote, and and I thought about dinosaurs as the creatures on this um on this other dimension, and uh, that's how it came to be. I think, right, based off of an old story that I wrote, and the way they got there, funnel, tornado, right, um. Wow, I never actually thought about that until now. That's insane. So, <clears throat> so that was chapter one. He's really just in the hospital. He runs into this laboratory, a uh, secret lab in the hospital. So now we know the hospital is not all it seems. There's some weird, hunky-funky stuff going down there. And uh, Angel presses the button and boom, right? You're going to regret that, kid. You got teleported to a different world and you're stuck there now, right? So chapter two, it's all about um, really Natalia and Angel's family kind of remembering all the times, like old times when Angel got hurt and stuff like that. Like there's a, a short story about Angel getting bitten by a black widow. And there's, whoa, wait up. Or maybe I took that out actually. Ah. <laughs> I think I got, 
I think I took that out. Oh no, no, I left it in. Yeah. Yeah, but I took it out. That 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 um story with the Black Widow, it actually it's really just very short. It's one paragraph. Um Angel got bitten by a black widow, took to the hospital, gave him morphine, gave him antidote, stuff like that. Um that actually was a much longer story in chapter two. But it was just too much. It was, I think I had originally written that Jim was going to get on the plane and he was fighting robbers and people that wanted to assassinate him. And then the plane crashed and then he was stuck in shark infested waters. And then it was just crazy, man. It, it was, <laughs> that was a funky, yeah, that was, that was like, that was like a whole plot for just an entire different book. Jim getting stuck on a plane, the plane crashes, stuck in shark infested waters with the antidote for the Black Widow. It was crazy. And then I just, I reduced that literally to, uh, an anecdotal story, um, an, an anecdotal introduction, you could say, to Angel's past, uh, in just a short paragraph about the time he was bitten by a black widow. And then I used another short story when they were in um, on the beach and there was like a shark attack or something like that. Just short anecdotes from um, from Angel's past, and Natalia is just kind of reflecting on Angel missing, and um, they're trying to find out how. How they're gonna find him? Where? He, what happened to him? Right? He was just right next to them in the hospital, and suddenly he's gone. Because they didn't see him when he snuck out in the first episode. In the first episode, first chapter, to because he followed a he followed a scientist to the secret lab, and Jim and Angie were all asleep, so they never realized him. Chapter two also uh, uses the introduction to our main villain, our antagonist of book one, Doctor Constantine Hume Penn. Or Pen Hume. I think it's Pen Hume. All you need to know is Dr. Pen. That's really the, the way we address the, the way I address him throughout the whole book. Dr. Pen, we don't know he's a bad guy until very later on. But he is our main antagonist. And we can already kind of tell when he's introduced. Like, look. Let's go to chapter 2. Chapter 2. Finding Angel. Dr. Pen, where are you? Or maybe it's not Dr. Pen. I think it's chapter 5. Yeah, no, no, never mind. My bad, guys. Dr. Penn does not come out in Chapter 2 yet. Um, that's in Chapter 5. Chapter 5. Um, chapter 2 serves also mostly as a flashback to when Angel lost his older brother, John. Um, and now that I realize that there are so many Johns in my story. Oh, well. Yeah, because there's a John, his older brother, and there's a main character, John, in Book 5. But okay, anyways. Uh, yeah, his older brother John got killed by Reynolds. As I said before, Reynolds, like, he's just, yeah, he's the bastard. Plays a big role in destroying Angel's life and so on and so on. But, uh, so that's chapter two. So chapter two through eight is really mostly Angel um, traveling and traversing through this land of dinosaurs. And it's really the dinosaurs are the big thing. The first two books of Age of the Kings. Um, later on, it becomes more the people, but um, but yeah, chapter two through eight, Angel is traversing through this land of dinosaurs. He meets Tagalon. Tagalon is what they call a Reggie. He is a dwarf, um, not not big dwarf. He's a uh, five foot, but he Angel calls him a dwarf anyways, like like four eight five foot. He's not that short. Um, long red hair. You know, he's great with a, he's an archer, um, you could say, and um. Eventually, he runs into Angel, and he's helping Angel get to Dead Mountain. Now, they say that Dead Mountain is the place that Angel wants to get to because that's where all the other Reggies live, and the Reggies might hold the key to how to get back to his world. 
right? Because Angel wants to get back to his family. That's really the the main part of the first half of the book. Angel's trying to get back to his family, leave that fantasy world. Really not even the first half. It's like the first third of the book. Um, and throughout, Angel has flashbacks to his past, you know. I use that a lot in Age of the Kings, flashbacks, and I like using that. Um, flashbacks to create uh, character buildup, I guess you could say. Um, the first book, really, all the flashbacks are angels. Um, starting second book, I start using flashbacks for other characters. But first, but yeah, first book is really mostly just angel. Um, but later on, you're gonna see I use flashbacks for everybody, and um, oh, I could tell you that, but uh, that might be a bit of spoilers. Yeah, I'm not gonna tell you that. That's something I'm gonna keep to myself and see if you guys decipher that throughout. Throughout the rest of the Age of the Kings books. But um, forget I said anything. Yeah. So 2 through 8. Chapter 2 through 8. Angel's just really traversing through through the uh, through the dinosaur world you could say. I'm, I'm not going to tell you what it's called yet. We don't know what it, what that dimension is actually called until much later on. Oof. I got to make sure not to give you all those things. Like I said. I got to. I, I lay that out throughout all the different books. Um, but yeah. It does have a name. Not just a dinosaur world, but for the sake of this of this episode, we're gonna call it the dinosaur world. Um, chapter two through eight—that's what it is. Um, chapter three is when Angel finally realizes there are dinosaurs there, and he's kind of a bit shocked. That's really chapter three is a short chapter just to kind of emphasize that Angel realized he's in a world with dinosaurs. Right? It's a really short chapter, and you could say unnecessary chapter, but I say necessary because I mean you introduce the dinosaurs, right? Chapter 4, Angel is, it's called King of the Forest, and he's alone, and he runs into some dinosaurs, some new creatures, giant spiders and stuff. Chapter 5, we introduce Pen, and I believe at the end of Chapter 5, we have a twist. So I guess not that later on, we do realize uh, Pen is a bad guy at the end of Chapter 5. Yeah, so here we go. Here's the ending to Chapter 5. <clears throat> and for your information, Star Dragon... His name comes from Angel, uh, who gave him that name when he was a young kid. When he saw him kill John, his younger, his older brother, um, Star Dragon has a star tattoo on his wrist. I'm not sure if it was right or left. Um, I, I say that in the second chapter, uh, and he has a dragon tattoo, um, an elegant dragon tattoo that runs up his up his neck and the left side of his face. I don't think it's the right side of his face. I think it's the left side of his face. But um, here we go. This is the ending to chapter five, <clears throat> and you'll see why that's important. Pen walked into his office. The lights were off. He closed the door. You there? Pen asked. Yes. Good. I want Jim Elson dead, Pen said. He ruined my life and I have big plans for this city. You got it. Do you still have that name the kid has been calling you by? Pen asked. Yes. The spying on him proved useful, the man responded. Good. It'll come in handy. Nice dragon tattoo, by the way. And I like the star, Penn said. Yeah, it's frightening, the man growled. Good, 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 Penn laughed. Yeah, I know, it was corny. Corny, corny. And you guys are going to see that change, um, chapter 17, when we get to it. Um, I was young, guys. I was young when I wrote this. I was nine. And I edited it a lot. But uh, I, I, like I said, I've gotten a bunch of good feedback. People have been loving it. Um, but you see that, and it's implied that Dr. Penn is uh, having a conversation with Star Dragon. And that they're um, 
plotting to assassinate poor Jim Elson. And uh, you uh, you can tell that Pence mentioned that Jim had ruined his life and everything. And that's all explained in early in chapter 5. You'll see. And, well, and and not, it's not, um, it's not dramatically explained or I don't expand really on much on it. It's just implied that Jim did something in his life. And I actually don't elaborate on that until the last book, the fifth book. And it's so cool. It's just... Because I use the fifth book a lot to tie back into the first book and really just answer all the unanswered questions. Um, but that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, because a lot of things in book one, I don't answer until much later on. Some are answered in book two. Some are answered in book three. A lot of them are only are answered until book four. Um, but uh, I, I like that. I like keep, keeping the suspense. Some people don't like it. Some people call it slow. Um, and it is slow. The story is slow, right? I, I don't give you all the answers right off the bat. I I, um, I elaborate. I give you bits and pieces throughout the whole book series. But um, So that's chapter 5. Chapter 2 through 8, like I said. Um, at the end of chapter 8, Angel has a group that he's met. Now that includes Noah and Nikitas. I want to talk about these characters. Noah and Nikitas. Noah and Nikitas are the names, at least. The characters are completely different from the real people. But the names are based off of kids, off of, of, uh, off of two friends that I had in elementary school, Noah and Nikitas. And Noah, um, real-life Noah, he was, I guess you could say, my number one fan. Right? I remember in middle school, while I was on hiatus from the book, Noah came up to me and he was like, I want to finish reading your book because I, I used to... I used to read the first couple of chapters that I had to my sixth grade class, and they loved it. That's when I really decided to start uh, continuing to write, and then bam, I just took a hiatus. I got discouraged or something. But Noah um, was my first fan, I guess you could say, and he wanted to finish reading the book and everything. Um, and uh, so that's that's who the character Noah is based off of um, because he wanted to be in my book. And oh, so here's the reason for why I have so many characters in my book. When I was reading my book to my 6th grade class, everyone wanted to be in it because I had my name in there and I had my sister's name in there, right? That's all it ever was. And so this is how this is how the trend started. Everyone in my 6th grade class wanted to be in there. Uh, Drake Seaford, the sea king in the dinosaur world. Um, his name is Drake, but I eventually changed his real name to Ethan. And that's a kid who had begged me to be in the book for my 6th grade class, so I eventually put, just kind of implied that Drake Seaford's real name was Ethan, because my friend Ethan, or this kid in my 6th grade class, wanted to be my book so bad, because I put Noah and Nikitas in there, after they wanted to be in there so bad, and Nikitas was this nerd, he's just like, uh, just, yeah, super nerdy, he's like, he knows his numbers, he's just a mathematician, and that really is Nikitas in real life, you know, he's always been the AP student, right, honors and everything, um, and then after knowing the Kitas, obviously came Ethan, and and then came uh, Kelly. Um, that's when I yeah. That, and after that, I just started using the trend. I started saying, "Hey, I got my characters all around me. I got names for the characters at least all around me, right? Um, from people I know and everything." And so that's what I use now, right? If there's a new person in my life that really p- plays a, a big or a significant role in my life, I use them as a character. When I need a new character in my in my series, and um, usually when that character leaves my life, or they no longer play a significant role in my life, I kill them off in the book. Spoiler alert! Yeah, um, just because, like I said, it's loosely based on my life. So when someone leaves my life, um, I kill them off in the book. 
right? That's that's kind of how I drive the story. A little further on, like book three, I start uh, steering away from that and kind of building my own, building the story more uh, because things get complicated around that book. So I have to really pitch in a lot more than just my life, uh, symbolically my life or whatever, right? So uh, now we're at chapter nine. So throughout chapter two through eight, Angel has been trying to get to Dead Mountain where all the Reggies are. And Dead Mountain is a volcano, really. But it's also a mountain. I mean, volcanoes are mountains, right? They just, they're just they just bursting out lava and magma and whatever, right? But um, chapter 9, at the end of it, uh, characters die throughout chapter 9. Throughout chapter 9, a lot of characters die that we've uh, kind of grown close, a bit close to, not too much. Because I don't really do too much character development with the characters from the dinosaur world. Except Tagalon. Tagalon, obviously, is a big main character. And um, chapter 9 ends with Angel reaching that mountain. And um, I think it's a cool... It's a cool ending. Um, I enjoyed writing it when I uh, when I was I might have been twelve at the time. It's chapter six, <clears throat> and chapter nine was my first long chapter that I wrote as well. It was I think it was like eight pages, and that used to be long for me. Long for me now is forty pages, and I I do an average of twenty page uh, chapters. So. What used to be long for me now is like super shorts and love me. So here's the ending to chapter 9, guys. Angel made it out of the burning land because the volcano is erupting just for your information. And he fell on a steep hill of burning rocks. He was weak, too weak to move. The air was still hot. He was starting to have trouble breathing. Angel needed help and fast. Unfortunately, it would be of no use. Angel was fatally and critically injured. It would take one of God's miracles to heal him. Angel saw hot lava flowing down the hill toward him. He slowly closed his eyes with a smile. He was happy and glad because victory was ahead. Glory was ahead. A glorious moment was ahead. Dead mountain was ahead. So it's kind of that kind of like um, sensational moment where, oh, Angel finally made it to his destination. He might be able to go back home and see his family again. Um, nonetheless, throughout these Chapter two through eight, we also have moments when we when we uh, get to know what's happening on the other side with Jim Nelson and his family, and slowly building up the suspense that Penn, Doctor Penn, and Reynolds are planning something, something bigger than just assassinating Jim Nelson for whatever reason, right? We know that they're planning something, and it's got to do with the metal sphere that uh, that Angel used to teleport to the dinosaur world. Um, so that's chapter nine. Really, they're still in the dinosaur world. Chapter ten to twenty-one. Okay, a lot of a lot of crap goes down, goes down here. Chapter ten is really, yeah. <clears throat> They're um, Jim and it's more really build up in the hospital um, with Doctor Penn and everything. And at the end of it, um, uh, Reynolds and Penn kidnap a, a SWAT team that um, that came in because Reynolds had been killing people in the hospital. He had been killing staff patients. Um, so there was like the police team, not SWAT team, I don't think so. Maybe it was SWAT team. What do I say here? Uh, the FBI team. FBI. It's the FBI, not SWAT. Yeah, I was like, how is he going to capture an FBI uh, SWAT team? Um, FBI team, um, because they're investigating the murders at the hospital. And, um, and it finishes with Penn just telling Reynolds to kill them all. And then... Chapter 11 is more build up with the hospital, and we finally see what they're doing. Um, 
they're trying to use the sphere to teleport. So now we know that the laboratory is somewhat connected to Dr. Penn, and it's thanks to the work of Dr. Penn, you could say, courtesy of Dr. Penn, the metal sphere, right? Um, the metal sphere also has a name. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet, because it's not just the metal sphere. It is, it is addressed as the metal sphere for a long time until later on book two. Um, I'll just give you that spoiler. We we realize what its name is in book two. But um, chapter 12, we finally flash back to Angel. So we don't hear from Angel for about two chapters. And um, <clears throat> ever since, yeah, ever since Angel passed out on at Dead Mountain, we haven't heard from him. And we finally hear from him. He's uh, been rescued by the Reggies. And then <clears throat> at the end of chapter 12, he sees the portal open again in the distance. And he sees literally army, an army. Of soldiers, right? Military American soldiers coming through, or not, not American soldiers, my bad. It's a Penn's militia, a private militia of, of mercenaries, and they got, they got a, uh, what, what are they called? Uh, rovers, jeeps, and uh, tanks coming in, like literally. I don't know how that works. Uh, I think I explained it somewhat, but they're, they're uh, bringing an army in into the uh, dinosaur world. And at first, Angel thinks they're there to rescue him, but then he realizes. Like, no, this is not my father's work, right? This is not my father who's come through. Like, all these mercenaries coming here with their tanks and their guns and their weapons, they've come to have war. So, chapter 13, the war begins. The dinosaur world is clashing with the human world, right? Um, and uh, at the end of it, Angel um, decides to, you could say, recruit these other creatures, um, nasty creatures to fight off the humans and that's really what it is and then everyone's fighting and um, some people die some people get hurt chapter 14 the war is coming to, in, to an end and um, dinosaur world is losing and then angel is still recruiting those monsters and the, the mellotrons that's what they're called mellotrons and then chapter 15 is pen is um, oh yeah they are transporting uh, an atom bomb an atom uh, a nuclear weapon into the dinosaur weapon into the dinosaur weapon into the dinosaur world <laughs> my throat's getting a bit dry here <clears throat> into the dinosaur world through the portal and they're gonna blow it to hell and that's what chapter 15 really is they're transporting the the nuclear weapon and um I think Angie has a confrontation with Dr. Penn, it looks like. And, uh... Oh, and we have a flashback. That's interesting. Huh. I'm reading this, and <laughs> there are things I don't remember. And then, um... And then, at the end of it, Angel is still recruiting the Mellotrons. Right? Very slow. I, I, I take my time slow. Um doing that because they're short chapters too uh, don't think that it's boring they're very slow chapters, like two page three page chapters all those where angel is still recruiting it's very it's very slow just uh kind of it's building that anticipation like we want to see what happens finally like take us to war chapter 16 <laughs> do i start off with war was coming to an end again dude i start off with that again what was coming to an end i'm not sure if i did that on purpose on accident <laughs> i never noticed that okay chapter 16 Oh, wow. So chapter 16, a lot happens, even though it's a bit of a short chapter as well. The war actually has come to an end, and um, someone dies. 
in a turn of events, this girl that Angel kind of liked and he met in uh, in the dinosaur world, um, Stephanie, dies. Reynolds kills her, and Jim forces Angel through the portal before the nuclear bomb goes off, and uh, it's implied that the dinosaur world was blown to hell, at least for miles, right, because of the nuclear bomb. And but they make it through the the through the portal safely, except for Stephanie and Tagalon stays behind too presumed dead at this point um, and the portal closes until it opens again and that's how chapter 16 ends the dinosaurs start coming into the human world the, the portal opened again um, and not just one portal portals all around los angeles and just los angeles funny enough are have opened up and the dinosaurs are coming in and angel's like what the hell why are the dinosaurs coming into our world Right, we close the portal, and this is all happening in the midst of his of him grieving for his friend Stephanie and everything. Kind of liked her, right? Um, first crush, you could say. Um, so that's chapter sixteen, and the end of chapter sixteen. Chapter seventeen is a big one, big one, big one, and it's kind of funny because a lot of people have asked me about this, like, why does Angel just lost Stephanie and then suddenly he falls in love with Kelly or whatever, right? Chapter seventeen is a long one. It's the next long chapter. <clears throat> um, my God, I broke my book. So chapter 17, it's really Angel and the whole city just overrun. They're all kind of adapting, right? They're running away from the dinosaurs that just came into Los Angeles because it takes place in Los Angeles. Um, and uh, and so this chapter is where you kind of see my uh, my writing changing, changing, uh, changes. changes. Um, I took my hiatus between chapter 9 and uh, chapter 17. So when I start back up writing chapter 17, you could tell my writing is a much it's much more proficient and um, it's just better right in general. And and I started writing much longer chapters by then as well. Um and so chapter 17 that's all it is. Angel gets rescued or Angel rescues Kelly and then Kelly rescues him at a school and they're trapped most of that they're trapped in a school with um with uh, velociraptors in a school with Velociraptors and Angel had broken his arm and there was a nasty scene where Angel's trying to trying to uh, 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 screw on screws into his broken bone and it's just nasty it's nasty it, it's completely fictional obviously it would not happen in real life no one would actually do that Angel you idiot but um, it's, it's a cool it's a cool scene I thought so <laughs> and a painful scene it kind of makes you cringe when I read that scene where Angel's kind of hammering and the, the screws into his arm I think I think kids kids really like that scene it's kind of gory um, but it's really Angel and Kelly are stuck in the school, um, surrounded by Velociraptors, and they're trying to escape. And uh, then we have Chapter 18, Apocalyptic War. Um, chapter 18 is still Angel and Kelly kind of trying to survive. And then Jim and Angie are surviving as well because Angel got separated from his family again. So they're out there in like separate parts of the city. And then Kelly gets separated from Angel as well. And then she's facing off with Reynolds. And she gets kidnapped by Reynolds. And this, all this crazy uh, shit goes down. And this is how chapter 18 ends. We haven't heard much from Angel, actually, yet. Chapter 18 is mostly actually Kelly and Jim and Angie. I'm not sure where Angel is at this point. I think Angel kind of is MIA. <clears throat> so this is how chapter 18 ends. Kelly is surrounded by Dr. Penn and Reynolds. So here we go. They all stared at each other. Penn pulled out a gun and aimed it at Kelly. Reynolds also pulled out a gun and aimed it at Kelly. Kelly's eyes widened. Just say it. Penn was getting impatient. Kelly clenched her fists. Was it true? Did she really love Angel? Kelly narrowed her eyes. She was tired and exhausted. 
She just wanted the nightmare to be over. Both men loaded their guns. Kelly still hesitated. Finally, the triggers were pulled. That's how chapter 18 ends. We are presuming Kelly was shot, right? Um, I like to end every chapter with a cliffhanger. Um, obviously, in chapter 19, we realized Kelly was not shot. I'm not going to tell you how or why. You got to read the book. I'm just breaking down every chapter for you here. <clears throat> um, chapter 19 is pretty much just that. We realize Kelly is still alive, and she's still confronted by Reynolds, and she gets chased by Reynolds a bit, and a pen, and then, bam, she gets falls off a cliff or something like that. Or down a hill or something like that. She gets injured. And then it's really just all about Kelly again. Chapter 19. It's really all Kelly. And then we have a twist at the end. We realize Tagalon is alive. And he did make it out of the portal. Um, just not the portal that Angel made it out of. And he did not get killed by the nuclear bomb. Necessarily. And he's here to give Angel a warning. And that's how chapter 19 ends. With him meeting up with Kelly and telling him. Telling her that he needs to find Angel. You know. How convenient, right? Kelly knows who Angel is. He just We just don't know where he is. He's MIA, right? Chapter 20, we still don't know where Angel is, right? Uh, it's Jim, mostly about Jim and Angie, and they're surviving, and they meet this Dr. Jack. Um, it's really a, a lot of dialogue between Jim and Jack and character development. And then uh, Renee and Natalia grow close. Renee is Angel and Natalia's uh, cousin, younger cousin. Well, Renee is younger than Angel, but he's older than Natalia. And really, Natalia and Renee uh, bond a bit throughout this chapter. And it's really about them. And uh, we still don't know where Angel is. Wow, I don't remember this. And then it's really just about Angie, Jim, Jack, Natalia, and Renee surviving. And I think they're still like at the hospital and they're escaping. Or they're trapped somewhere. And they're, like, they're kind of like holding down in like, a, in like an abandoned building or something like that. And then, um, whoa. Then at the end of it, Renee gets shot by Star Dragon. Holy shit. Here we go again. Chapter 21. This is a big one. Chapter 21. The adventure has be begun. So we just went through chapter... From chapter 10 to 21. Um, chapter 21. The adventure has be just begun. This was the original ending to the book. There was originally going to be only 21 chapters to the book. Nothing else. Yeah, I know. And this is that's what the chapter was going to be called. The adventure has just begun. And it was going to end kind of with the cliffhanger. So chapter uh, book one was actually going to be cut up into two parts. Um, I'm glad I did not do that. I'm sure that makes book one a lot more of a very action-packed book because a lot happens. But uh, but I'm yeah, yeah. So um, chapter 21 actually is still about Reynolds fighting Jim. So they're... So Jim and his group, Angie, Renee, Natalia, and Jack are cornered by Reynolds and some of his militia, uh, Penn's militia. And they're getting attacked. And they're getting shot. And, uh... Oh. Oh, my bad, guys. Angel is not MIA. Angel's been unconscious this whole time because of his arm. Remember that broken arm I told you about? So, Jack is the doctor that has been trying to operate on Angel. And Angel's been unconscious this whole time. So, Angel's actually been part of the gym group, you could say. He's been with them just unconscious. And they've been trying to transport him. That's right, I remember this now. I always forget what happens in these chapters. And they've been trying to transport him and hold down at the hospital while it's being overrun by dinosaurs. At the same time, Jack is trying to operate on Angel. And then, um, I think looks like they reunited with Kelly and Tagalon and everything. UP. It's a big chapter. Everyone's reuniting again. 
And then at the end of it, Angel finally sees Tagalon, and he's like, whoa, Tagalon, holy shit, you're alive, right? That kind of stuff. Chapter 22, Tagalon just explains to Angel why he survived and how he survived and the message he had for him. Chapter 23. Um, so... Oh, no, chapter 22, my bad. It's just them reuniting. Like, more elaboration on that sweet moment where Angel sees Tagalon again. Chapter 23 is Tagalon explaining to Angel you know, how he survived. I, I really do, like I said, I do stretch this out a lot more throughout the book series, and it's a lot slower, right? I, I like to build that up. Ooh, ooh, we're getting to some big one. Chapter 23, um, their ride was crashed by a dinosaur. No, they're stuck in a... In a I think it's the hospital. No, 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 no. They're at a different building now. Um, they're at one of Penn's HQ because they're trying to get some information about how to how to send the dinosaurs back. At this point, we're already trying to solve the problem and how to send the dinosaurs back. So chapter twenty three ends like that. They get um cornered, you could say. Uh, right. So they are cornered, you know, and. They're stuck in this hospital, and this is where chapter 24 comes in, and chapter 24 is a very big one. Sorry, guys, I'm eating breakfast. No, I haven't eaten breakfast since, like, well, I mean, like, I haven't eaten breakfast. Anyways, chapter 24 is a big one, guys. Dreaming Stars, and I love this one. The title, Dreaming Stars, and actually the the back of the book, The Pain Is Not Real, the, um, the subheading, I guess you could say. Is actually based off of this chapter, and wow, I mean, it might not be the biggest death in the whole book series, but it's definitely one of the most memorable one, memorable ones. Not just because it was the first book, first death, but because of the way it it kind of um, played out. Dreaming stars, and the name Dreaming Stars. I'm not sure how I came up with it. I'm 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 referring to the to the um. To the action of dreaming, right? You're dreaming. You uh, that what's the saying? You, you dreaming sheep or something like that, right? So instead of sheep, I kind of thought stars. You're dreaming stars, um, and that's what Reynolds says in this chapter. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna read you the scene right now. It's a very intense scene, and because of it, I think it's one of the most memorable deaths and just a memorable moment in the in the Age of the King saga. Like I said. I'm not kidding you here. I've I've already finished nearly all the book series. I'm writing the I'm writing I'm finishing up the last book. So I'm telling you, when I tell you this has been one of the most memorable ones, it's not the most memorable one, trust me. A lot of other crazy shit goes down, a lot more than this. But if I had to choose the top ten most memorable deaths or moments in Age of the Kings, this would roughly be at number nine. Right? Obviously not number one, but number nine, yeah. Um, it, it's just a memorable moment. Like every time I I tell myself, what chapter you know do you remember writing the most? And uh, I'll say if there's a chapter I remember writing most vividly, it's chapter twenty four of book one, Dreaming Stars. And um, so here we go. Angel and his group, all of his group, are kind of cornered, by on the roof of a building, by Reynolds and his men. And at this time, uh, Renee, Angie, and Natalia have been MIA. We haven't we haven't known where they are because Reynolds have ha- have gotten them hostage, and um, so uh, Reynolds puts Angel and his group on their knees, um, in front of the three hostages that they have with bags of their heads, and eventually it's revealed that those hostages are Angie, Na- Renee, and Natalia, 
and Reynolds points a gun at them. And um, so here's at the singles now. Let's see if I can find it right here. The company, there's a helicopter, they're getting surrounded. Tagalon fights Reynolds and Reynolds punches him. Here we go. <clears throat> so the whole page, apparently. Here we go. Well, life doesn't always have a happy ending. And you pro and your problems, Angel Elson, are just the beginning. Reynolds chuckled. Angel clenched his fist so hard that his short fingernails pierced his skin and bled. How dare you? I never asked for this. In fact, I don't know how it's all real. Dinosaurs? Sea kings? Demons? Monsters? Portals? Give me a freaking break. It's all a dream. I'm still in bed right now, waiting for my father to come home. None of this ever happened, Angel sobbed. This is hell. It's a nightmare. Just a dream. Really? Reynolds questioned. Are you really just dreaming? Are you really just dreaming stars right now? Yes. And I'm ready to wake up, Angel cried. Kelly had a feeling that something bad and horrid was about to happen. Out of the shadows walked out three of Penn's men with a hostage each. The soldiers had put a bag over the hostage's head so that the hostage wouldn't be identified. Two of the hostages were small like kids, and the other was tall and had a wounded leg. One hostage was revealed. It was Renee. The other was Natalia, and the last one was Angie. A tear ran down Angel's cheek. You said that this was just a dream, eh? Reynolds held up a gun at Renee's head. Angel kept a stoic and stern face. Just a dream, just a dream, just a dream, Angel kept repeating in his mind. Angel... Don't do anything stupid, okay? Renee said as he smiled and closed his eyes. That's when Angel realized. Was this a dream after all? If this is really just a dream, then why is the pain so real? Reynolds yelled as he pulled the trigger. Renee's head jerked back as the bullet went through his head and his body lay on the ground. Angel let out a cry of anger, pain, and revenge. Angel had lost so much. His body couldn't take it anymore. Kelly's eyes filled with tears. She covered her mouth with her hand. Tagging on watching the belief as he woke up. I'm going to... Hey, just kidding. I'm not going to tell you the rest. Alright, so that's the scene. Renee dies pretty much. I'm going to tell you what happens next. Um, It is memorable. And it's kind of on Angel, right? Angel denied what was happening. Maybe he was in shock. Maybe he just didn't want to accept what was, what was happening to him and his family. And... um. Therefore, he brought that upon, upon Renee. Um, poor Renee, right? Um, maybe he didn't have to die. Maybe if Angel had accepted what was happening, Renee would not have died. Renee would not have died. Maybe Reynolds was just trying to make a point, right? Intimidate them. Maybe he his point was not actually to kill someone, but he had to do that to obviously make the point clear and get it across Angel's thick skull. And trust me, Angel is a stubborn character. He makes a lot of stupid mistakes, and a lot of characters in the book series that uh, you guys like fans or readers have grown to love do die because of Angel and his stupid mistakes. Because Angel is stubborn, and he doesn't like to. Ex well, he does accept when he's wrong sometimes, especially later on. But in the beginning, Angel does have a hard time accepting that he's wrong, or accepting that way the things are the way they are, right? That um, he has a hard time accepting when someone has to die. And that gets people killed sometimes. It does. And Angel's got to live with that. Story of his life, right? Um, that is not... Not bigly... Or... That's not... 
really based off of me. I get people killed now, or uh, or that I'm a very stubborn. Person. I am stubborn in real life, but um, I don't have a hard time accepting when I'm wrong. Uh, nor I do have a hard time accepting that things are the way they are. Sometimes I do. So that that part of Angel's character is roughly based off of me. I do have a hard time accepting things are the way they are. Sometimes like. Uh, Let's say uh, people are dying in another country. I have a hard time accepting that sometimes we can't do anything about it, right? But I always want to do something about it or stuff like that. I don't know, right? Um, so that, that part of Angel's character is based off of me, roughly, roughly. Um, so let's continue. So that's chapter 20. Also, we already did chapter 24. Chapter 25 to 35, that's 10 whole chapters, a lot goes down in here. I'm going to tell you what it is mostly. So Angel and his group have figured out that the the uh, the way what is it? Oh, so then yeah, so they've kind of diverted from kind of uh fixing the sphere to kind of just defeating Pen in general, right? They kind of forgot about the about the dinosaurs and they just kind of said it is it is what it is, right? Let's just get rid of Pen. For the time being. So. They end up. Learning about a sunken submarine. I know. Out of all things. Off the coast of California. Off the coast of Los Angeles. Near Catalina Island. For those who are born and raised in California. You'll know where Catalina Island is. And so they go to the submarine. It's a cool scene. I liked writing those chapters actually. It's a bit random. Right. But it's part of the adventure. Right. And. um, the The cool thing about. Uh, book one is that Angel's young. He's 14 years old. His mindset is still of a kid. So, very similarly to my mindset when I was writing the book. And throughout the book series, Angel goes growing. And my writing changes. Therefore, his viewpoints and his personality changes as well. And the way that Angel of the Kings is written is kind of through the eyes of a 14-year-old kid. Like, everything he sees is very action-packed. It's very full of adventure and everything, right? Like, I gotta run, 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 right? Not like all the other books when he goes maturing, where he goes seeing things through different viewpoints, different perspectives, you could say. And it's more dialogue, right? It's more drama, you could say. Not just not just action. Uh, book one is full of action and less drama. Uh, because, uh, and I like that, and I did that on, not on purpose, half on purpose, you could say. That, um... I want the readers to have that feeling that Angel sees this not in a very mature man. I'm not saying that Angel's immature, but he's still a kid. He's still a kid, plain and simple, right? And um, so he doesn't really take that much notice of what's going on. He just kind of says, this is how it is. This is what you have to do, all right? And everything else is like, damn, some crazy Lord of the Rings shit or something, right? Um, so... That's really what happens in chapter 25 and 35. They're, uh, <clears throat> they are um, finding a way to destroy Penn's army, their HQ. And it, and this thought of Henry Adams, because they found out that there's a guy, Henry Adams, who knows how to stop the sphere or how to reverse its effects and return the dinosaurs. But they're not doing that yet because they're going to stop Penn first before they fix the sphere. So... The whole submarines, they have to dive down into the submarine, and then the submarine starts sinking again, and then there's shark in the water. There are sharks in the waters, new characters get introduced. 
There's a sunken ferry that they get onto, and it's just all crazy. It's all over the place. All right, but it's very cool. It's very cool. And it's kind of creepy, too. You know, they're on the speedboat. There's a storm lingering. There are wraiths. The wraiths are the, uh, these creatures that I made up. But um, you, you'll, get to, you'll get to see them. And then chapter 35 is they finally go back after destroying Penn's HQ. Um, they go back to uh, looking for Henry Adams, the guy that I told you um, uh, might know about how to reverse the effects. And chapter 35 is the Church of Answers. I believe chapter 35 because I think 35, 34 is a black hole. That's when they destroy Penn's HQ. And 35 is Church of Answers. Yeah, 34 is black hole. They're 435. Come on. 35 is a long one. So, yeah, 35 is Church of Answers. They're breaking into the church where they think uh, Henry Adams is bound to be. And then chapter 36, they meet Henry, and it turns out Henry created the sphere. I don't know why, and like I said, I explained this all a little bit, pieces by pit, pieces um, later on in the other books. But Henry Adams is the creator of the sphere. And he gives Angel the Book of Henry, is what he calls it. A book that Henry wrote on everything about the sphere, pretty much. Not everything, but a lot of it. How he created it, a lot of its functions. And um, then chapter 37, something bad happens. Angel gets killed, I know. He dies. Angel dies. And then eventually he gets revived by Tagalon in that same chapter. And on chapter 38, Angel and Tagalon are looking for his father. Because his father has been kidnapped a while ago. By Reynolds, and he's been MIA for a long time. A big part of the book, uh, Jim has been MIA. And so chapter 38, uh, it's kind of this bonding chapter between Angel and Tagalon as they're searching for his father, and then they find this note by his fa- by Angel's father about how he's been kidnapped and everything, and blah, blah, blah. Chapter 39, we're getting to the end here. They are going back to the hospital. They were able to read a bit of the book of Henry, and they found a way how to th- send the dinosaurs back. And they have to press the button again and do a couple things with rewiring the uh, the sphere. So chapter 39, called Tagalon, they are, we go back to seeing where Kelly has been this whole time because they got separated ever since the submarine. They got separated. And um, she's with uh, these new characters, Madison and Susan. Or no, not, not since the submarine, no. Uh, when Angel got killed, they got separated. And Tagalon went his own way to revive Angel. Um, and Kelly and these new characters had to go their own ways. Um, and Angie and Natalia have been escorted out of the city a long time ago, before the submarine. Um, and uh, G- like I said, Jim has been MIA. He's been kidnapped. So chapter 39, uh, is we really kind of see where Kelly have been, and she's got her own storyline with these new people. And Tagline and Angel are going to the hospital to get the metal sphere, right? And so that's what the, most of it is. And uh, they get to the hospital, they're at the Metal Sphere, and they run into Pan and blah, 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 boss fight and whatever. Chapter 40, they are still at the hospital, and they're working on rewiring the Sphere until they finally see that the only conclusion is that eventually someone is going to die. Right? I'm not going to tell you how. you got to read the book. But in order to reverse the effects of the Sphere, someone has to stay behind. And uh, when they reduce, when they reverse the effects, the Sphere is going to blow up. But someone has to remain there to pull the wires out in order to reverse the effects and reduce the blast. So, like, not everybody in the hospital dies. Right? You got to read the book. It'll, it'll explain all that. And so, eventually, Tagalon does the honors, right? He, he volunteers. Chapter 1, Lazarus. It's like the final boss fight. Everything goes down. Uh, Angel finds Jim. Jim is fighting against Reynolds. And Reynolds and Jim have these this boss fight. And then Tagalon sacrifices himself. And boom, the hospital explodes. 
Jim dies. You know, he has a uh, an emotional scene with Angel in chapter 42, Beyond the Mask. Um, you know, he dies. He tells Angel his goodbyes and sad. Right? And Angel has a bunch of flashbacks to times with his father when his father um, gave him a lot of pieces of advice, you could say. You know, inspirational wisdom. And then we see the the infamous Jim Elson speech that is used throughout the whole series. And then at the end is the funeral for Jim Elson. And the last chapter 43 is just kind of the resolution. Angel's joining the track team again. That's a big part of Angel because it was a big part of my life, the track team. And uh, so after the funeral, a couple of weeks after the funeral, everyone's kind of adjust, readjusting to their lives. And it's just kind of this, it's, it's a nice conclusion to the book. It's very peaceful. Um... It's sad because we just lost Jim, right? And Angel's still kind of dealing with it, right? And all that sadness. And uh, Reynolds is MIA. Pan, we know, died. Pan died. Yeah. In chat in the Lazarus chapter um, with the final boss fight. When the, when the hospital exploded, he got squashed by debris stuff. And then he gave Reynolds a list of people. And he told him to go find the people. We don't know why. Like I said, I expand on all that later on. And um, but that's really that's really book one, guys. I really just went through everything. Right. Obviously not in immense detail, but I just summarized every chapter really much. Really, really much, really much, pretty much, pretty much. I'm tired already, guys. Um, so that's book one, guys. Age of the Kings, and then Age of the Kings: The New Brood is book two. And hopefully I'll be releasing that uh, this coming year. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen to the interview that uh, from Erratic Dispatches, and you'll you'll kind of hear everything else I had to say about Age of the Kings and um, where my inspiration comes from for it, um, and not just the characters and everything, and uh, what I hope to do with it. Um, I think I pretty much summarized everything in that interview as well. But this interview was mostly just to summarize the book and go through it and what it's about. Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it, guys. So, other than that, guys, next week or next interview, I guess, yeah. Might be next week, might be in two weeks. We have a great, great guest. And um, I'm excited, guys. I'm excited. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, if you like the episode... Leave a review. I know it was different than all the other ones. This was really, really just me explaining my book and what it's about. Because just people always just ask me, "What's your book about? You know, why did you like? Why did you write about that? Why did you get inspired to write that?" So now I can just have an excuse. Hey, go listen to episode thirteen of the Athenium. I say it all there, right? Um, but thank you guys for tuning in as always. Uh, I love you guys. You guys are great. So much support. Um, I wish you guys luck. I mean, I've been thanking you all this time, but guys, really, I'm, I'm praying that you guys are having um, some good times as well because we're all living in difficult times right now. So I wish you guys luck, and I hope that you guys are doing fine as well. And uh, so God bless all of you guys, and uh, that's bringing us to the end of our episode 13. It was a bit, right? It was a lot to take in, a lot for me to talk. Um, I haven't even finished my breakfast. I've just been picking at it. And, um, but thank you guys for joining me and, uh, I hope you kind of enjoyed it a bit, kind of got an idea of what the, what the book is about. Um, 
I, I, I barely covered anything, right? I, I summarized nearly every chapter, but just very briefly. Like, some chapters, I just kind of skimmed through them. I just told you, hey, this is pretty much angels are recruiting again, right? But uh, uh, do read it. I think it's not my favorite of the book series, but it is definitely entertaining. So, with that said, guys, this is The Athenium signing off. Lights out.